You're listening to a sermon podcast from Sovereign Grace Church in Bradford, Ontario. For more info, visit sovgracechurch.ca. Is that you set a safe zone or a safe object that you can be in, and if you touch it or or are in it, then you are safe. You can't be touched and you are safe from danger. But during this time of COVID-19, this situation is, is no mere game. On the, on the playground, we know, we know who is fast and we know who we can outrun. But what keeps many of us on our toes now is that the danger is moving rapidly. It is unseen and it is not fully understood. And the question has turned in the last days from if this will catch us to when it will catch us. And as we practice physical distancing to slow down the transmission of the virus, other worries begin to surface. We ask, will I, will I be able to finish school? Will I be able to graduate? Will I be laid off? Will I be able to provide for my family and keep the lights on? And we might feel safe inside our homes but they are far from impenetrable fortresses that guard against an invisible enemy. Now, as as Christians, our response can very easily begin to look like that of the world, which is fear and panic. But I I want to remind us in our time together today that especially in these times, our theology must shape our mindset and our actions and not our circumstances. I want us to gaze again upon the glories of the gospel and scripture and to see God and let almighty God give us fresh faith by his spirit for the days and months ahead. So with that, uh, I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 46. And this is the text that we will be looking at today. So Psalm 46, and I will read it to you. Psalm 46, to the choir master, of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The main idea I want to communicate to you today is that God's powerful presence 
brings worry-free peace to all who submit to his loving reign. God's powerful presence brings worry-free peace to all who submit to his loving reign. Our sermon today will have two points. First, it will be peace in God's city and then peace in God's world. So we'll start with the first point, peace in God's city. As we look at the psalm, we remember that um, the genre of the psalm is not like the epistles that we're used to um, seeing lots of logical arguments, but the genre here is that of poetry. And instead of using uh, logical propositions to communicate the idea that it uses imagery and different literary, literary devices. So keep that in mind as we are reading. So if you look with me at verse 1, right at the beginning, the psalmist declares confidently who God is and what he does for his people. He is their strong protector in times of trouble. He's an ever-present or a well-proved help, as it says in the ESV footnote. Now, the nation of Israel saw time and time again that the Lord was their helper. They saw the Lord deliver them out of slavery to Egypt, and they saw him open a way through the Red Sea for them to pass. And they, they, ex they experienced his repeated help against their enemies in battle. They saw that the Lord was a well-proved help. So then in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist gives us the paradigm of how theology is to affect action. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. And what the psalmist describes here in verses 2 and 3 is something that would be unthinkable for the faithful Israelite. He describes here the undoing of what the one true God has put in place in creation. The orderly boundaries that God established are coming apart. The separation between land and sea is, is, is collapsing. And instead of order, chaos, which is represented by the waters, is once again reigning. Now, in the, in the last couple of weeks for, for us, much of the structure in our daily lives has changed as well. The, the preventative measures and the threat of sickness have invaded our, our largely comfortable lives. Many of us now work from home. Our work life has spilled into our homes. Those of us who are introverted are always around people and around the same people. And those of us who are extroverted are withering away from not seeing people. And the past couple of weeks, it's been, it's been March break. And instead of sending and picking up our kids from school, they are home with us all day. We need to get work done and we need to clean and cook. And all the while they are running around. And life has become a little more chaotic, hasn't it? But God's people have a response. They look back and they see that he has been a well-proved help for countless generations of those who trust in him. And as they remember what God has done in the past, their scene begins to change, as it does in verse 4 and 5. And this here, verse 4 and 5, this is the, this is the center, the heart of verses 1 to 7. These are, the, these are the bolded words that the psalmist wants us to see. This is, the, this is the cross at the top of the steeple that we are to focus our attention on. Instead of facing a, a tsunami, it is now a picture of, of calm. 
Instead of the roar of the water, you can hear the trickle of the stream as it flows into the peaceful city. And what brings peace to this city is, is not the strength of the walls. It is because the king is in the midst of the city. This is the place that God has chosen to dwell. Now, again, Israel knew what this was, was like. God was in the midst of their camp as they traveled in the wilderness, a pillar of, of, of fire by, by, by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And in our text here, it is his, his presence, his refreshing presence that makes the people of the city glad, as we see in verse 4. The mountains may move, but the city of God is not moved. The king helps his people at the perfect time. As surely as God has set the times and the seasons, as surely as, as evening comes and, and morning dawns, so he ordains perfectly timed help for his people. And outside these walls, if we, if we look at verse 6, the nations rage and they roar like the waters. But with the same voice that God used to speak things into being out of nothing, he can just as easily bend nature and the nations to his will. And this leads us to the confident refrain for the psalm in verse 7. And we'll see it again in verse 11. The Lord of hosts, the warrior God, the God of angel armies, the king who fights for his people, he is with us. The God of Jacob, the covenant Lord of steadfast love and faithfulness, he is our fortress. Now, as, as New Testament Christians, we don't just stop seeing through the eyes of the original audience. We have, we have the privilege of understanding the psalm in light of Christ's life, his death, and his resurrection. We see the phrase, God with us, in the person of, of Christ. This is what we see in John 1, verse 15. And the word became flesh and dwelt, and dwelt among us. Matthew 1, 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will be with his people. He will never leave them or forsake them, and he will be with them always to the end of the age. And how is it that Jesus is with his people to the end of the age? We saw this in prayer meeting on Wednesday. Jesus is with his people by his spirit. Instead of God among his people in his temple, his spirit now dwells within the believer as the new temple of God. This is the, this is the living water that Jesus talks about in John chapter 7. He says this, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this he said about the Spirit. It is the refreshing stream of the presence of triune God dwelling in the believer that brings joy in times of difficulty and uncertainty. In these times when we are unsure of whether we will receive our next paycheck, when we, if we get laid off, we are reminded of the words, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
When Satan tempts us to despair and tells us of the guilt within, the Spirit reminds us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How glad is the heart that is free from guilt. And in the midst of the stormy stormy seas of life, Jesus, the Son of God, he walks out on the water like he did to his disciples. He walks out to his frightened disciples and says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, not only is God with us in Christ, but Christ is the timely help that this broken world needs. Think about it. What, is, what has mankind's biggest need been? What did Abraham and, and Adam and Moses and David and the nation of Israel, what did they wait for in faith? They yearned, they yearned, they longed for the promised deliverer from sin and death. And as we know, Jesus was this promised deliverer, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He became a man, he lived a perfect life, and he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And he was crucified, and he was killed by the hands of lawless men. Romans 5 tells us this. While we were still weak, at the right time, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows us his love for us in this, that while, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in open rebellion before God, while we were weak and helpless to save ourselves, we were unaware of our journey to hell. Christ, the sinless, died in the place of the sinful. And when he, when he rose again on the dawn of that third day, the justification of those that would believe him was secured. Slavery to sin, the sting of death, all of this was abolished in the finished and victorious work of Christ on the cross. Now, now Christians are not promised to be spared from, from illness or, or the many difficulties that come with a fallen world. But Jesus has died and he has risen and we are eternally united with him. Our life, as Colossians 3 tells us, is hidden with Christ in God. Our, our only comfort in life and in death is that we are not our own, but that we belong both with body and soul, both in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the present refuge of the Christian. And if you, if you are listening or, or watching at home and you are not yet a Christian, I, I thank God that he brought you here. You know, we, we are not a very large church. We don't have a ton of production value here. Um, and, and whether you stumbled upon this, this meeting or a friend invited you, it's a reminder to, to all of us of God's kindness that he continues to draw people to himself. And, and I wonder in this time of, of COVID-19, I wonder... Are you, are you at peace? As, as our country and the world is, is gripped by fear and panic, as you, as you read the news and you hear of, of new cases, new positive cases every day, and you hear of the rising deaths, death toll, is your, is your soul at, at peace? 
my my guess is that is, is that stockpiling and and meditation and positive thoughts has only gotten you so far. And our passage today explains why you are not at peace. Right now, you are you are not inside the secure city. You've decided to 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 stand outside and to to go it alone in the in the raging waters instead of coming joyfully under the rule and protection of the king. You have insisted on your own way, and you have tried to build your own fortress. And and this rebellion against God is what the Bible calls sin. And sin, the consequences of this, of rebellion against God, is, is death. And instead of God being with you and your lasting joy, your end is a terrifying eternity without him in hell. So, so my friend, are, are you at peace? And if you are a Christian, if you are my brother and sister in Christ, how do we respond to these truths? Here are two, here are two ways. So first is to meditate on who God is. As Christians, we are, we are already in the secure city, but sometimes what we do is we, we, we peek over the walls and we see the terror outside and we become afraid, don't we? We, we read the news again or, or see more pictures of, of empty shelves or empty plazas and we have a little twinge of, of fear. We lose sight of the God that is with us. We forget that Jesus is with us in the boat and we have nothing to fear. Last week, we just finished um, a sermon series on our, on our mission statement. We, we are, we A-R-E, and it's, it's an acronym. We are awed by God. We are revealing Christ. We are expecting the Spirit. And now, of, of, of all times, is where we need to have a correct and a big view of who God is. I was, I was emailing with um, a brother at, at our church, and he, he helpfully reminded me, you know, this, this virus is small. But our God is, is so big. And, and how true is, is that? Now, now Pastor Tim has, has taught us a, a four-part way to, to meditate on Scripture by using the sentence, imagine yourself praying over your habits. So we're going to look at our psalm. We could do this really quickly just to see what it's like to meditate on God and who He is during this time. So imagine, imagine what a refuge is like. What an immovable fortress is like, how it's, it's strong, it's, it's protected, the people live in safety. This is, this is God. Now put yourself, put yourself in the text. Be, be honest, do you, do you identify with the faith of the psalmist? Or do you still fear in light of who God is? And now pray over what you discover. You know, we, we pray, we pray, God, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. And then lastly, look at changing your habits. You know, when we, when we panic and when we worry, it leads to a sense of, of control. We feel like we are doing something, but it's like, it's like we're sitting on a, on a rocking chair. We go back and forth and back and forth, but it doesn't bring us anywhere. So w- when fear comes, Begin to pray in faith instead of succumbing to anxiety. 
So imagine yourself praying over your habits. And a resource that has been helpful for, for, for me to meditate on, on who God is, is, is the book God Is by Mark Jones, and it's showing up on your screen. I have it on Kindle, so I can't have a physical copy to show you. And what it is, is it's, it's each, cha- each short chapter, short chapter, is a devotional on a different attribute of God. God is omnipotent. God is good. He is wise. He is, he's faithful. He is, he is gracious. And what this book does is it helps to give you a sight of who God is and who Christ is and see how his attributes affect our daily living. This is a, this is a book I commend to you. As we have more time, we have more time to read. This is a helpful resource for you. So we meditate on who God is and then we look back. That's the second thing we can do. What will, what will build our faith is not only seeing God for who he is, but we see what he has done. We can take this time in our homes by ourselves to see how God has been faithful in the past. When, when my wife and my, my wife Joanne and I, when we first became a part of this church, um, the first family that invited us um, to their house after Pastor Josh and Nina, they, they, during dinner, they were telling us so many stories of how God had generously provided for them in the past. And it was such, it was such a faith-building and encouraging time. And I encourage you to do the same by yourself in your, in your times with the Lord. Do it with your, with your spouse. Do it with your family and, and children. Remember, remember how God has protected you from harm. Re- reminisce over how, over how he has spiritually and, provi- and, and physically provided for you in Christ. Rejoice over the times that he has helped you win battles against sin and temptation. And, and, and if you have time, look back even further at the history of the church, these last 2,000 years, and, and really stand, stand in awe of the God who has always, always done good for his people. Seeing who God is and, and remembering what he has done, this This is what will calm our hearts that are prone to anxiety and fear. And this peace, as we'll see in our passage, is not only for God's people, God's city, but it will eventually be over all of the earth. And that leads us to our second point, which is peace in God's world. And for this, we look to verses 8 and 8 to 11. So if you look with me at verses 8 and 9... What the psalmist is doing is he's inviting the reader to come and see what the Lord of hosts has done. The scene is is the end, if you can see, is the end of a horrific battle, a war to end all wars on earth. The weapons of warfare, they're all destroyed. The the, the long-range weapons, the bows, the the short-range weapons, the spears, they, they are all made useless. And and the chariot, which was the, the equivalent of the tank of that time, they are burned. Israel knew well the, the terror of the chariot when they ran from Pharaoh towards the Red Sea. And as, they, as Israel conquered the promised land and the kings constantly went to battle, the, the end of warfare for them would, would, be, would be inconceivable. It would be unthinkable. But the prophets, the prophets spoke of a future time where there would be peace. And this is what we read in Isaiah 2. Or Micah 4, verse 3. He shall judge between the nations 
and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So imagine the day for us when we see no more, no more nuclear arms race, where the principle of, of mutually assured destruction is not, is not the guiding principle for, for war. In, instead of salvaging metal for ammunition for those of us who were around during the war, weapons are turned into farming tools and gardening tools. This, this is what God's people look forward to. And when this battle ends, God speaks, if we look again in verse 10. Now, now this, this verse we often see, you know, be still and know that I am God. We usually see this verse on, on mugs, coffee mugs, or, or missionary prayer cards. But, but the scene here is not, you know, us sitting at our breakfast table or on the couch sipping our coffee. God is, God is really thundering out to a watching world at the end of the battle. He's saying, be still. And the phrase be still here, it means, it means to, to, to relax or to, to let your hand, to let your hands drop. And to his, to his people, the Lord of hosts says, I have conquered the enemy. You can, you can rest, you can rest your weary hands. Your trust in me was not in vain. And the nations will join you in worship of me. But to his enemies, what does he say? He says, there will be no more rebellion against my rule. My reign is established. Don't even, don't even try to pick up your broken weapons. Know that I am God and besides me, there is no other. And then what is the response of his people in verse 11? They once again, they sing out in joy. The warrior king is with us and the covenant Lord is our refuge. Now again, how do we how do we see this in a greater measure as New Testament Christians? How do we use a Christ-centered mindset to view this psalm? It is going to be Christ, the conquering lion of Judah, that will bring this reality about. It will be the white rider who is called faithful and true, who in righteousness judges and makes war. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He will destroy his enemies. He will defeat the great deceiver, the serpent, and throw him into the lake of fire. And he will declare, he will declare, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted among the earth. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And COVID-19 will not stop this from happening. It will not prevent the global exaltation of Jesus. And after destroying death and evil, he will usher in an era of everlasting peace. Christian, this, this is what you look forward to, worldwide peace that comes only in the new heavens and the new earth. The heroes of the faith in, 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 in Hebrews, they look forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. 
Now we we are a little further along in salvation history, but we still we still await the new Zion, the new Jerusalem, a city that is not stained by sin or death. We wait for the day when the sea is is no more, where chaos is no more. We long to be perf- we long to be the perfected bride that is adorned for her husband. We we yearn to hear the the loud voice coming from the throne of heaven that will say, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more, neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed Away, our our sovereign God will surely do this, Christian. How how great and sure is our hope? Now, if you are listening and you are, and you are not yet a Christian, I wonder does does this end time picture of perfect peace does this give you joy, or does this fill you with dread? And your answer, your answer will depend on whose side you are on. Are you on the side of the king who has conquered? Or are you part of the vanquished foe that resisted his rule? What a sad day that will be for sinners. But the good news, the good news that Christianity offers, what, what, what the gospel offers it is not a guarantee that you will be not, not be touched by the coronavirus or, or even die from it. The gospel offers you salvation in Jesus. Salvation from an eternal death that vaccines cannot save you from. The gospel offers you relationship in a time of social distancing. Relationship with God who is, who is the king of kings and yet sent his son Jesus to die for sinners like you. Relationship with Jesus who was forsaken by his holy father as he paid the price for sin. The gospel offers you certainty that you will be part of that joyful people in the new heavens and the new earth. Joyful people that will experience lasting world peace under the rule of a kind and gracious king. My friends, isn't, isn't this the peace that you are longing for? And if you want to experience this peace, then what you need to do is to, to be still, to, to relax your hands, to, to surrender. Acknowledge, acknowledge your rebellion, your sin against a holy God. Turn, turn from what is left of, of your self-sufficiency and, and instead turn to Jesus, turn to Christ for your salvation. And then come and share in the peace and hope that all Christians enjoy together. And now if you, if you are a Christian, how can we apply the truths in this part of the psalm? Again, well, two things that we'll be looking at. One is to be a peacemaker and two is to look forward. So first, be a peacemaker. What I, what I mean is not just to, to, to stop, stop fighting or to be a, a mediator, but what I mean is that we are to be the conduits of God's peace and blessing to the nations. You know, yes, yes, Jesus is the one who will ultimately bring peace 
on earth. But we have a role as well. Peace will come on earth as we make disciples of the nations, as we baptize and teach them to observe everything that the Lord Jesus has commanded us. And and as more and more people come under the reign of the king, rebels become worshipers like us. Our love for God and neighbor is what will be the fuel to be ambassadors of peace for Jesus. Now, Martin Luther, the the reformer, he experienced a a time similar to ours. In, In 1527, he experienced a plague in the city of Wittenberg. And he saw this as a time where God was testing the faith and love of Christians. And this is what he says. It's on your screen. It's a test of our faith in that we may see and experience how we should act toward God. And it's a test of our love in that we may recognize how we should act toward our neighbor. Now, we, we already saw how we are to act towards God. We, we trust him in light of who God is. We trust him and do not fear. And towards our neighbor, a large part of our witness will be through self-sacrificial love. As we practice, as we practice physical distancing, we are submitting to the rulers and authorities that God, in his sovereignty, has put in place. As we lay down our rights to have the, the kind of, of fun social gatherings and activities that, that we want, we display the mind of Christ. He was the one who humbly considered others before himself. We go out of the way to serve the elderly and shut-ins because he first loved us. And as we do so, let's, let's be praying. Prayer is what's going to, to, to give us power and give us boldness to accomplish what God has entrusted for us to do. Let's be praying that we will have opportunities to speak this gospel of peace boldly. I know many of us are, are, are afraid. Many of us might, might, may never have talked to our neighbors. We need boldness from the Spirit. Pray for the Spirit to, to soften the hearts of our fearful neighbors and our friends. Pray for other churches to carry out this responsibly faithfully as well. So be a peacemaker. And then secondly, and lastly, look forward. Look forward. My brothers and sisters, this, this is not our home. We, we, we sojourn in this, in this fallen world, and it seems that right now the fallen world has fallen on, on us. But we have hope, don't we? Our final resting place is not here, but it is a place where the name of God will be written on our foreheads, a picture of perfect intimacy. And this, the sadness and loneliness and bitterness of social distancing now will make that future intimacy with God so much more sweet on that day. So look, look forward. Look forward to the renewal of all things. Look forward to eternal worldwide peace and worship. Look forward to entering into the joy of our master and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Look forward to the end of our faith and our hope because what we trusted in and what we longed for will have become fully realized. Come, Lord Jesus, let us pray. 
Father, we are glad um, that you are with us by your spirit. Help us, help us not to fear. Help us to claim the promise that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Would you use this virus and, and the fear of the world to draw sinners to yourself and exalt yourself above all the earth? We entrust ourselves again um, to your grace. We thank you and we pray all this in your name. Amen.